Episode 13. 13 is a lucky number, is it not, Will? It is. 13 is a lucky number, which means you are lucky to be tuned in to the greatest sports podcast in America. We're bringing you what's important, what matters. We voted today. Now we're behind the mic getting ready to talk about some football, some baseball, some basketball. Man, we got it all today. We got it all today. I can give you the rundown. I'm not going to. We're just going to jump into it right now. Cue the music, man. We are Bizak. Thank you all for joining us on Election Day, November 6th, 2018. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Hung Up Podcast. What's up, bud? Nothing much, man. I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Out of everything that's happened this weekend, it was an excellent sports weekend, but I feel like I would be remiss if we didn't at least touch on the work of art and masterpiece that was A Star Is Born. Um, I, I told you it was a phenomenal movie. But. I doubted you, um, and to be honest, I went in with kind of, not low expectations, but I was kind of like, oh, Lady Gaga acting, okay. She killed um, it. She cr- crushed it. Crushed it. Absolutely crushed it, which she doesn't dress up as an egg or a, a, a processed meat. meat. A meat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She, well, she, you know why she did that, which why? I just found out? She why? didn't want um, people talking about the other things in her life. So she gave him something to talk about, which is oh, so like, hey, look over here, kind of thing. Like, yep. a, hey, shiny yep. object. Okay, yeah, look over right. here while I'm doing this stuff. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I gotta say though, um, I think the ending was definitely predictable. Uh, and if you didn't notice at the beginning of the movie, uh, when he was driving around in the taxi, there was a billboard of four nooses, and I just remembered that the whole show it was a little bit foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. But to me, the best scene in my opinion, was when he brought her up on stage. The ending was great. It was emotional. Right. When she sang. How deep was it? And then the dog. The dog. dog. You know, I know dogs get you, man. Well, they get me because I'm the biggest dog lover on planet Earth. But my mom, actually, when she saw it, Mm -hmm. she's also a dog lover. Mm -hmm. She was in the theaters. You know how, like, it gets real quiet and you can hear people sniffling? Oh, yeah. So it was real quiet and the the dog laid down. Mm -hmm. She goes... In the middle of the theater. Oh, why'd you have to bring the dog into it? <laughs> Everybody like stop for a second and look like she just can't. She can't control her emotions no. that well. So yeah. Where does this Where does this rank for you? And listen, this isn't an re- emotional reaction because I I saw it last week. Um, oh, it sticks with you me, for a while. For me, this is a, like one of the ten best movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. I think, and I also think that this is a movie you need to see. In theaters, I think this yeah. is definitely an in theater yeah. experience. Don't wait for it to come out. I had um, a I had a friend who was in a similar situation as you. She has not seen it, and she was trying to. I was with a group of friends. They're like, "Oh my god, we could stream it right now on, on uh, on uh, Fire Stick." I'm like, "No, no, no. I watch you can't. It movie it's going to be blurry. It's going to it's going to buffer. Right. You're not going to hear the right stuff. You're not going to mm-hmm. be able to see it clearly. No. You got to see that movie right. It's definitely right a movie way. theater movie. Um." But I can't, I, I really, I, I, I'm a big movie person. I can't remember a movie that I went to see in theaters for a significant amount of time that I've mm-hmm. seen. And it, what's crazy is it blew away my expectations. Like when I went to see Dunkirk, I had like uptight, like awesome I heard that movie was awful. And it was like mediocre. Oh. With this, I went in expecting like, eh, it's probably going to be okay. But it's, a lot of guys are asking me, is it a chick flick? Is it this or that? It's not a chick flick. When I went and I saw, I came home and uh, my dad was like, you know, it's a chick flick, right? And I'm like, no. No. I'm like, no. No. Maybe the past versions were, Mm -hmm. but but this one was not a chick flick. This one was a phenomenal just overall movie. Yes. And you know what? If any of you have anything to say about how we're talking about this movie, I'm sorry we're in touch with our emotions. Okay? It's not that we're soft. 
It's not that we're into chick flicks. It's just you go and it's a a full artistic it's a good experience. I will admit God, the, only, like, the only the only the only chick flick movie that I ever watched and like actually liked was The Notebook. That was a good movie. The Notebook was okay. The Notebook was okay. I like Welcome mean to Girls. Hung Up Sports Podcast Did talking you? about the The Notebook. <laughs> Wait, can we just can we just can we just wrap this up about the movie though? Cuz the, the like I just I can't say enough about it. I really can't. Right. Like I, I it's going to be like that for a while, and I'm glad you you're on the Seriously, you're on the I'm shallow train. I'm sorry that I ever I ever di- I listened to the soundtrack too. <laughs> I know, just, I know the whole soundtrack. Emma's obsessed with it. The soundtrack is unbelievable. The fact that Daniel Dice Clay was in the movie was yeah. unbelievable. It didn't look like the '80s threw up all over him, which he always <laughs> looks like. Um, uh, just wow, wow. I'm Un- glad you like freaking it. favorite scene for me. Favorite scene. I, if you're talking my favorite. Definitely when she gets brought up on stage for the first time. But if you're talking the one that hit me the deepest, definitely that last song. Uh, when where they changed from her oh, to lost him, it just like that. Lost oh. it. I will say the one scene that could have gone without was the scene where Lady Gaga punched the cop. I'm like, yeah, what the hell is this? Like, oh no no no! I would that? see. I'll explain that to you later. I I, I know what it is. That's it's, a great scene. It's why you taking pictures of this guy while he's. Out great about. Scene. Great scene. I didn't think so. I thought I yeah. All right. Well, everyone's got their preferences, Bill. Okay. Um Actually, no. we went out this weekend. We did. We we've been trying to go out together for a very believe it or not, guys. Like Billy and I, we struggle to meet up outside of the podcast because mm-hmm. uh it's just we're both always busy and our schedules never line up correctly. We're out there securing the bag at all times. Oh, cannot fumble the bag. <laughs> at all times. <laughs> we, we don't flip it and tumble it. But a nicer bag than FSU. Their bag's whack. For sure. For um, sure, definitely. So anyway, we went to FanDuel in the Meadowlands at the uh, horse track. Highly suggest you visit yeah. it. For those of you who don't know, it's um you basically you you can obviously gamble now, sports uh, bet in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And you go into the horse track building the, where you can go and watch the horse or whatever. As soon as you walk in on the left, there's just this huge FanDuel uh, area where you can eat, drink, gamble. I always tell everybody when they ask me what it is, I say it's it's exactly what Buffalo Wild Wings portrays itself as being on commercials. <coughs> that's and that, you can get. That's a very that's a very good. That's uh, what it analogy. is. Man. That is. It is. I mean, there is no. It, it's an overwhelming. Except on more TVs, there's so much going on. It's an overwhelming experience, dude. Like, yeah. It's people are fired up about winning money, losing money. There's food. There's beer, the only thing that I that I would change about the FanDuel aspect is there's not enough registers to. Place a bet. I agree. It's a very long line. I agree, and I also think they should incorporate some kind of um, I don't know what how you would do it, but give you some kind of either code or, or tablet where you at your table where you can just. Oh, place bets. that'd be awesome. That would be cool. That would be awesome. Um, but I'm I'm telling you, man, That's they did idea. an excellent job. We should, we should at tweet this that. Place. We should we should tweet that to them. Yo, FanDuel Sports sponsor us. We'll give you uh that'd we'll, we'll give you guys fire. some great shout outs. But definitely check it out if you can. Good food. I got the skirt steak salad. Really good stuff. Um, another thing that has to be mentioned is there's something to be said about girlfriends that you can bring mm. and just off cuff start talking. Yeah. And it actually took a lot of pressure off of me because I wanted to devote my energy and my um, and well, my look, listening this- to the millions of sports amazingness going on around. Yeah. And Sam and Emma just off rip. Oh yeah, just off start talking. Well, as about. I mentioned to you earlier, and I tell my girlfriend this all the time, and I know Sammy's the same way. The mm-hmm. best fellas find yourself a girl where you can walk into a room with them, mm-hmm. either with a million people or four walls, and they'll find a friend. Absolutely, That's absolutely. It. I don't think. I mean, it was just perfect. I, I just we sat down. I watched my sports. They talked about 
whatever yeah. the hell they talked whatever they about. Talk- it was great. Yeah, but they go, they go include us. Yeah. And they just start doing their thing. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then they said, uh, and then they started talking about uh, makeup. We're like, oh, include us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right. <laughs> the uh, highlight of my night, though, is that I'm going to hand the L to Sammy, if you don't mind. No, dude. She didn't know who Doug Flutie was. That was not but, good, man. See, the, no. this is the difference. Sammy yeah. came out and just flat out said it. Emma was smart enough to go like this. She, she like, leaned into me, and she goes, who's Doug Flutie? <laughs> <laughs> who's Doug Flutie? I'm going to get Nice little whisper. I'll hand Sam one more L, actually. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching. Sorry, Sam. I do love you. But uh, we, she was watching. Uh, I was watching Game 5 of the World Series, and I texted her. I'm like, go Sox. And she goes, oh, what's happening? I'm like, oh, uh, they're like two outs away from winning the World Series. And she goes, oh, well, I'm going to sleep. Go suck. <laughs> she oh went to God. sleep. <laughs> wow, we're just throwing shots at Sammy. Right? <sighs> oh, yeah, poor but Sammy. But Sam it was a good time, it. man. No, it was definitely a good time. We got to get back down there. Um, it's a great place. It's I lo- a great, it's a great uh, next place time, though, we should go. I'm telling you, bring, you know, like 100 bucks, whatever. Maybe not a hot. Like, I brought 30. I just sit and watch the whole. Because I don't know anything about horse racing. Right, no. But I go and I. And, um, I buy the magazine or the booklet, whatever it is, and tells you eat about each the horse in every race. Yeah, 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 the odds, all that stuff, and you basically basically just sit there and throw small bets on. Each. It's fun. Only complaint is the parking situation. The parking situation is well. That's true. just because you didn't do it right. You don't know how to finesse. No, I just I didn't finesse. feel like driving around the, looking for a spot for thirty minutes. Oh, I mean, I pulled in, and uh, there was three cars backing out, so I was right there. You got to wait for that moment. Okay. All right. All well, right. let's talk some. Actually, real quick stories. Of the weekend for us. Oh, this is a new this is a new section, guys. So basically, what we're gonna do. I'm sorry, man. We'll get into sports soon. I promise. Yeah. Sorry, basically, guys. what we're doing is we're picking the one story. It doesn't have to be sports related. That like we're like, whoa, what the, what's what going this? on here? Yeah, like what's going and on? And mine. This is not to be funny. This is me informing you. I'm trying to keep you guys safe here. Um, weirdest story I read was this gentleman named Sam Bollard from Australia ate a slug in 2010 as part of a dare on his birthday. Definitely the type of young dude who eats worms. Yeah, and listen, you know, I've eaten a worm. In fifth grade, I was dared. I ate a worm, whatever. Won five bucks. Protein. Whatever. Um, But he died this past week after eating the slug in 2010. Uh, But after he ate it, he became paralyzed. Uh, He got meningitis. He acquired rat lungworm. Guys, don't eat slugs, Did you see the picture of the slug? It was disgusting. Yeah, it was a very weird-looking slug. Australia's got weird stuff. Big spiders, kangaroos. Mm -hmm. I love kangaroos. Big spiders. They got weird stuff over there. So, um, guys, don't eat slugs. Don't accept theirs. So, uh, you just told me that for my story that it came out a while ago, but this weekend was the first time I actually saw it. Mm -hmm. It was the story of Jamarcus Russell Mm -hmm. that the Raiders were unconvinced that he was... Watching film, so mm. they gave him blank tapes. Yeah, <laughs> came in the next day. And it's like, yeah, the blitz packages—they're uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, after like, knowing they were Jamarcus, blank, Jamarcus, they were blank. <laughs> after knowing Jamarcus Russell and his career path and everything, I see. I think on the surprise meter, it's at like a one and a half. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> honestly, it is. But like, just I thought that was a phenomenal story in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Just not a good look. No, he actually, I'm thinking about it. Jamarcus Russell literally showed up to the league to secure the bag and then peaced. Yeah, that, I think that was but his whole. The bag was secured, though. I know the he bag left secured. With the bag. He, I know he really did. He, <laughs> he left, he with, left the with the bag. bag. That's yeah. the scary thing. They actually had to change the rules about how much <laughs> of a bag you can secure when you lay down and don't try hard. So now he ruined it for everybody. Whoa. But his, ba- but he's also bankrupt. So I guess he he secured the bag and then flipped it and tumbled it and fumbled <laughs> it. Um. So you know the bag is probably with those tapes. 
Anyway. We're starting with a little weird, little switch up this week. We're yeah. starting with the NBA. I'm excited about that because usually, know you. you know, at the end of the show, you're, well, you're... see, the reason why we why we uh, always start with football is because it's always the hottest topic coming mm-hmm. into the show. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. so it just, it's better. But this week, why not? Let's switch things up. Let's yeah. start with the uh, NBA. Okay. Okay. And let's do it. I'm fired up. And what we decided to roll with first are what we're most shocked by mm-hmm. to kick off this NBA season. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, I broke it down into a coach and a player. And my player, um, I think you're a hater of him. Let me know if you're not. You may be, maybe not. But I'm Steph, not a I'm Oh, Steph. Steph Curry. Listen, but listen. I'm listening. I'm listening. Steph Curry is on a team that has an unbelievable amount of talent. He's rolling with the second unit now, um, which he hasn't done in the past. They usually had Steph just roll with the ones. But now he's rolling with the twos. Uh, with that second unit, and he's just allowed to do whatever the hell he wants. Um, and I think he's a dark horse for the NBA NBA MVP. Right now, he's averaging 50, 40, 90, which means you're 50% on field goals, 40% from three-point line, and 90% from the free-throw line. But he's actually averaging 50, 50, 90. He's shooting 50% from the three-point line, which is insane. It's, it's, it's actually unbelievable. And he's number one in the NBA with uh, 31 points per game. Um, wow. So if he, I don't see this as being sustainable, but if he sustains this kind of uh, consistency and this kind of, um, I don't know, efficiency, I think he has a real chance to be an MVP. Bill, in what world is Steph Curry a dark horse for the MVP? Because you have Giannis, he's the trendy He's two-time right MVP, now. and he has a unanimous MVP. I know that. I, no, I know this. In what way is he a dark horse MVP? Entering the, se- entering the season, how many people were saying, watch out for Steph for MVP? He wasn't even the... Probably a lot of people. No, really. no. They were saying Kevin Durant before they're saying Steph Curry. They're saying Giannis before they say Steph Curry. They're saying LeBron before they say Steph Curry. But you know, but you know Steph Curry's going to be in the conversation. Okay, he's not a dark horse. He's a shade horse. He's shady. No, he's a horse. <laughs> he's a horse. <laughs> he's a big horse. <laughs> he's a horse in this race. All right, Jeez. fine. I'm going to go with he's shade He's the best horse. shooter of all time. And he's not he's not a shade horse. Yes, he is. Dude, nobody was talking about him. Oh, my God. Nobody was talking about him. The, do they have to? Do they have to? I think so now. Let me ask you something. Going to the season, do you say, oh, yeah, Steph Curry, that guy's really, really good. He probably has a chance to win MVP. I wasn't he's done th- it twice I didn't think he was and once gonna... unanimously. Okay, that doesn't mean that he – like Tom Brady. Nobody was talking about Tom Brady winning an MVP this season. You don't have to. You know to. he's a good player. People, I'm going to just come out with this right on the spot. If you are in the elite conversation of Steph Curry, LeBron James, Tom Brady, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper – you are. You don't need to be mentioned in the in the preseason MVP talks. You are just set there. Okay. I just think if we looked up the odds for Steph Curry preseason, who was gonna who was up for MVP? I think if you're outside of the top five, top ten, you're considered a dark horse. That's just that's right. how I how I rank it. Well, who am I shocked by? I am shocked by the Sacramento Kings, Bill. Kings. The Kings. The young Kings. The Kings. We're talking about a team who hasn't had a winning season. In I don't know how long. And they've come out. They've come out decently hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're six. They're the sixth seed right now in the West. They're six and four. They're averaging 118 points a game. Buddy Heald has 19, 19.7 points per game. Mm-hmm. You could call 20 if you like. Mm-hmm. Fox is balling out with close to 19 points mm-hmm. a game and set and close to eight assists. Mm-hmm. You got Marvin Bagley. They're a fun team, dude. They're young, I like their man. They're young. They're fun. Um, so yeah, that's who I. That's who I'm shocked in. Because usually the Kings are a laughing stock. So. No, for sure. I'm, I'm interested to see how long it lasts. I think, um, I, again, the West is very competitive. But I think the fact that L.A. 
is off to such a struggling start. I think the Kings have an opportunity to fight for that last yeah. uh, eight or and seventh spot. You know what it is too. It also um, the NBA. It's constantly like the Warriors, blah blah blah. But like you know the 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 core six to eight teams that you say are competing when you know the Warriors are just going to win it. Mm. So I feel like this is good for the sport to have a team come up. Right. At the beginning of the year, bring a spark, bring uh-huh. a little, you know, conversation to it. I feel like it's good for the NBA. No, and also I think it's really interesting that you bring that up. The NBA does an excellent job where there isn't as much parity in the NBA as there is, say, in the NFL. Because at the beginning of the NFL season, you have no idea who's going to compete for spots. You know they're good players on certain yeah. teams. But the NBA just has such a good personality, does such a good job marketing itself. I mean, we're eight games in, or 11 games in, and this is as interesting this as is I an inter- yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just to let you know... Uh, Steph Curry was ninth favored. So uh, that's for top the MVP. ten. That's in the. He had plus fifteen hundred odds. That to me is a dark horse. You just, just you just said out of the top ten is a dark horse. He is in the top ten. Okay, out of the top five. I said top five, top ten, whatever. <laughs> to me, he's a dark horse. We can agree to disagree. My surprise, uh, coaching wise, is Coach Budenholzer, who took over the Bucks, completely revamped what they're doing. Absolutely. Points per game, they went from one hundred six to one twenty one. Wait, this is the this is who you're shocked the coach that you're shocked. Yes, by, correct? I'm okay. shocked at how All he's right. turned around the uh, the Bucks from points per game. They went from 106 to 121. Um, opponent points per game 106 to 106. I mean, it went down. You know, offensive efficiency ninth to fourth. Defensive efficiency nineteenth to first. Very great job he's doing. Very talented team over there. Um, and they're off to a hot start. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what's going on. Uh, who's the team you're disappointed in? For me, I mean. I I wanted to go with the obvious one, which is the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting at four and six, they're out of the top eight in the West. Uh, your head coach has rumors of being fired, which is never good this early in the season. But I decided not to go with that. Okay, I'm gonna go with the Wizards. Uh, I was going to mention them later in the podcast. I think it's time to blow them up, man. Wizards are sitting at two and seven right now with four guys totaling over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, not that's, a good spot to be. That's in. not a good spot. Not a good spot, especially when. These players that you're paying this much money in are in their supposed prime. Um, you know, the John Wall, Bradley Beal situation really hasn't resolved itself. I kind of thought it might get better when they traded away Marcin Gortat because he mm-hmm. seemed to be a little toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's just bad. And I mean, you got you brought in Dwight Howard. I never thought that was a good idea. He's never. coming back from a buttocks injury. Um, it's coming know. off of like a nine team. Yeah, uh, road trip. Yeah, no. <laughs> I actually uh, saw a quote from John Wall on Instagram. I don't know if this is a real quote. I don't know because it's just it's hilarious and right. it's, and it's different. Mm-hmm. So, but I think it was from a, a reliable source. Okay. Per, so per source here, um, it said the only wizard that can save us right now is Harry because we are so <laughs> ass. <laughs> it's a funny quote. I saw that. I saw that. You They're saw that. Good, so you did. I did. Okay, I did. so I we did. can say it's real. He said Screw. it in an interview. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. It, so cool. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm disappointed. You know, I do weird stuff like this, and I apologize. I'm not. I didn't pick a, a team that I'm disappointed in. What I'm disappointed and fed up with is, and this isn't a hating LeBron thing. It's not. I'm fed up with people saying that LeBron deserves to win the MVP every regular season. I get it. He's the best player in the league. Uh, fine. But when he doesn't put forth the effort in the regular season. You're eliminating yourself from the ability whoa, to whoa. hold on. Stop. Is he is he playing 100? percent I'm not saying he's taking it off. I'm just saying, like you know, early oh, in the season. Are you talking about this year specifically? I'm talking about the last few years of his career. He doesn't really turn it on Excuse to like top level LeBron James until until January, February. That's a fact. So you talk. You mean having back to back best years of his career? 
playing the most minutes See, he's ever has. Get all emotional about this no, thing. I'm not getting emotional. I'm just counteracting your your statement no, here because I'm it's saying, false. Well, it's not false. If you ask anybody, he does not play top. It's it's not that he's wrong for doing that because I think it's what's prov provided him. How to can be you so say he does not play top LeBron when he's when he so get, when LeBron he's getting better every a, year? No. He I'm has not gotten better. He's every... not improving. I'm saying he's not put. He's not going pedal to the metal early in the season, because he saves it for the end of the season when or he's working towards making his team. Better. Well, look, I have no fact to back, like to come at you with that. But all I can say is that's fine because it's because even as early in the year he's got he's been the best in the league in the past, not this year. Oh, okay. in the past. All right, I was about to. Yeah, do I know. That. I saw your eyes. You're like, what? <laughs> I just I, I I'm sick of the whole LeBron should win the MVP every year because he's just he just doesn't give as much uh he, you know he's uh he's got more in the tank and early this season I mean he's actually people don't know this he's playing 35.1 minutes per game which is the lowest in his career so the whole argument of oh he's trying to get his teammates to play well he's not playing as many minutes so it's gonna be interesting to see if he's on board with Luke Walton if that's what's causing the abrasion but. I'm getting fed up of the LeBron should win the MVP every year because he just doesn't... He's not a regular season player, and that's fine. I think that's what's adding to the longevity of his career. That's just my opinion. That's just I'll disagree with opinion. you on that. It's a different take, but I'm going to disagree with you. Um, two to three games that we're looking forward to this week. Now, the way I did this was um, from t from tomorrow on, not tonight, because I didn't know what time we'd done recording okay, that's tonight. My, okay, well, I did tonight, so I apologize. Okay, that's fine. Advance. Um, my, how do you want to do this here? You want to so go one, take and tack? Again, a new section again. We'll go tick for tack here. They're just, as we look at the schedule for the upcoming week, what game are we most intrigued by? Whether it's a storyline, good teams, good matchups, that's what we're uh, okay. doing. So, go ahead. Um, for my first one, I have tomorrow night, Toronto versus Sacramento, the team I just mentioned. Okay. Um, I think it's a solid opportunity for a young team going up against, um, the number one in the East, right? Or is that the Bucks? No, the uh, I Who, believe they're number one in the East. I believe right. Toronto's number one in the Toronto's East. Toronto's been solid so mm -hmm. far this year, and I think it's, like I said, it's a good opportunity mm -hmm. for a young team to really step up, rise up to the occasion, and be, uh, beat a good team. Fun fact, I did not know Sacramento was in America until this year. I thought Sacramento was a Canadian Do you want me to edit city. that out? No, you can put it there because I'm all about transparency. We're being honest. All right. I, I really <laughs> okay. thought Sacramento was in Canada. So, um, you know, little fun fact. If this was a few well, weeks ago, California. I might have been, oh, look so, at the Canada matchup here, and I would have looked like a complete idiot. But California. now I only look like kind of an idiot. California. Tonight, I'm looking forward to Bucks Blazers. Yeah, I was um, too. I was actually, too. a little fun fact. I think I believe the Blazers are second to last or last in assists, which is not surprising because it's the Dame show. Right, it's right, the, right. You know, CJ McCollum. But, um, you know, two really good teams, um, you know, not projected to finish first in their respective divisions, but have a real shot at it the way they've come out of the gate. So I'm interested. That game is tonight. What do you got next? Um, I believe it's Thursday. I have Milwaukee at Golden State. Ooh, yep. I have them on there as well. Uh, my question is, can Giannis pull it off? He's been playing at an MVP-type caliber For sure. right now. Yeah. Um, or is Golden State, are they just too deep? Or is there, are they too... Um, too versatile. For Will them. they come out flat? Will they I come out flat? Yeah. But but also, um, Milwaukee's one of the bigger teams in the league. They're right. a little bit slower. Golden State's fat. You know, they could shoot from Again, anywhere. Again, number one defensively yeah. in the league this season. So I think it's um I think it's going to be a good game. I'm I'm actually excited. I actually might sit down and watch that. Okay. Well, I have NBA league pass if it's not on TV. Okay. All right. Um. Cool. So my you stole my other one. So I'll give you Rockets Thunder. Um. The only wrench that's kind of thrown in here is, as you guys know, Russell Westbrook. Had a what looked like to be a significant angle injury it really did. yesterday, he but it screaming. turns out it's actually just a sprain. 
Yeah. Um, but again, if it's a high ankle sprain, it could be weeks. <clears throat> it could be you know a month and a half. Mm. So, uh, but still, I'm interested. Uh, Billy Donovan did a great job coaching his team down the line yesterday to beat a really good team without Russell Westbrook, and he didn't get the best Paul George. So. Um, I think that's an interesting matchup. Since you stole my third one, I'll just mix this in here. I'm going to go with I'm really interested to see Zion Williamson tonight. Ooh, Duke okay. is playing Kentucky tonight. Um, and I think Zion Williamson, I think what's going to come down to it is his ability to shoot free throws. If he can shoot free throws, he's 285 pounds. You're not getting him out of the lane without fouling him. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So if he can shoot free throws, they may go undefeated. So Interesting. Um, for my third, I have Brooklyn versus Denver, strictly because of the fact that I would like to see an upset. Wow. There you go. <laughs> that was just compl- – I, I literally remember looking at that game and saying, that's not what I want to look for, but I, I like that. I would looking like to see upset? I would like to see the Nets come away with it's a little bit of an upset. in Denver? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Upset Nuggets City. are playing good basketball. The Nuggets are playing good basketball. I watched the Celtics play them last night. But Nurkic is good. Jamal Murray's playing good basketball. I think they're well coached. I think definitely a lock for the playoffs. I, I feel like the Nets got a little Bar bit of an, of an edge. Okay. A little bit of uh, scrappy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like to see it. Okay. And then uh, we asked the question of basically, is there anybody that we see so far into the season that are uh, contenders that are pretenders or pretenders that are contender, you know, vice versa mm-hmm. or whatever. So who do you got? I just, for for pretenders, it's not really a pretender because I never anticipated them going to the playoffs, but you said it earlier, <clears throat> the uh, John Wall-Bradley Beal experiment is, it's over. It's over. I think it's, I think you, if you can, I don't know if you'll even be able to, but you should be looking for trade packages, try to get out of the salary cap issue. Um, it's, uh, who you it keep? Who are you keeping out of those two? If I Wall have to Beal. keep one, I'm keeping Beal. Really? Because he can shoot, and I think it's a shooter's league now. That's um, true. And John Wall, um... You know, he thrives off of athleticism, and I feel like he's in the middle or towards the end of his prime. Um, so I would go with shooting over a speedy point guard. Okay. All right. Um, and for me to answer that question, actually, um, I, I think I would take Wall, though, strictly because in a, in a league that it's somewhat difficult to find an elite point guard. Right. I think he's one of them. Okay. So I would take him for that. Okay. Um, And just... Contender, pretender, I think it's too early for me to tell. Ask me that question in two weeks. Uh, my uh, dark horse contender, I don't know, you have a weird dark horse rule. So. Is this a dark shade or light? No, this, I think this is a real dark horse. Uh, is the L.A. Clippers. Um, Ooh, that, gotta, see, that is a dark horse, you, Billy. Thank you. Oh, good Patrick job. Beverly is in, a, uh, is in a contract year. Avery Bradley is a great defender. Shea Gilgis-Alexander looks like a complete hit uh, in their draft. And they are top 10 in points, rebounds, offensive rating, Defensive rating and pace. So uh, I think they have a solid roster. They don't have a superstar uh, per se, but um, I like their roster up and down. I think they have an opportunity to squeak in the playoffs. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, you want to get into a little NFL? I know you want to get into a little NFL. Well, <clears throat> you see, this is the advantage of having a podcast because you don't have to fit what you want to say into a X amount of characters that Twitter is. Right. You can, you just can actually go, come man. out and go. You can just go, baby. And um, for all of the, I've been trying to limit myself at you know as we as we've gone through the year, right? Because you know some, some people don't want to hear all the time, but I understand that. Um, but my New York chat, something has to be said. I need. There's a, no holding back. No, there's no holding back. Um, so before I get into my little rant, I just want to state, um, I understand that Sam Darnold has 14 interceptions and 11 touchdowns that's not good not great but what i do respect out of him is that um 
he has come out and he has a, he, owned he, it he owned it. He was accountable. So for me, that shows maturity. He said I was playing stupid. Stupid. Well, he's gonna. Fi- he's not sharp. He's gonna fix it. I respect it. And you know, he's not playing the rookie card. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Or that I, my offensive coordinator sucks. Yes, he's not playing anything. He's taking full accountability, and that to me is a sign of maturity and a good sign for the future. Um, and also, he has a a team of crap around him right yeah, now. Yeah, not great. But let me get into this. Um, so you don't even. Know I don't even know where to start, <laughs> but the offense. I'm gonna start with this past week, and okay. then I'll build up. The offense was pitiful. It was disgraceful and a full out uh, an embarrassment. Yeah, we couldn't even get the snap. I, I can't even complain about the defense. They didn't allow a touchdown. Uh, I don't think your defense is a problem at all. Our defense is not a problem. Um, although they have let up over 400 total yards the past two previous weeks, but whatever. They're playing well. They're not allowing 30 points or whatever. They're you know they're playing reasonably well. They're also and they're about one the majority of the team yes, and they're the they're about one or two one. They're about one or two players away from being an elite defense, I, I think. An edge and a, and, a, and a man corner, a true man corner. But um, it's just it, it's it's pitiful. It starts with it starts with Todd Bowles, who I believe needs to be fired ASAP. Mm-hmm. He goes into a game to keep it close and not to win. Mm-hmm. He has poor management throughout the game. He has no idea what's going on, and his team has no discipline. When, and then he comes out and I'm gonna pull Bart Scott here because I 100% agree with him. When your defense forces uh. He said they didn't force enough turnovers, but at the end of the day, the Dolphins on third down went 3 of 16. That, to me, is considered a turnover. Mm-hmm. That's 13 three and outs to get your offense the ball back. So you have that. He's got three straight seasons of going three and – or he went three and six, four and five, three and six the past three years. And then you got to look at the offensive side, which is just disgusting. Jeremy Bates, he's has – there's no fun in the offense. There's no excitement. There's no urgency. No change of tempo, no shots down the field. He's conservative and pro- he's the worst play caller I have ever seen. It's khaki. And it's the, just boring. The NFL ha- knows that he's the worst play caller in the league. Mm-hmm. Golden Tate came out and said it. Yeah. And he's not even on the Jets. He's, he's not, not even not relevant. Even, he has no. <laughs> he's not even relevant. So Jeremy Bates, I am done. I am done with. It yeah. is disgusting. And and for this team to think that Sam Darnold is going to grow in any way, shape, or form with Bulls at, at head coach and uh, Jeremy Bates at OC is just... It, uh, it's I can't... I, there's no word to describe how much they were, they're they going to kill his chances. Right. And then I look at... I look. It's time for everyone to go. And mm-hmm. I, didn't, I don't want to say the GM, but it's time for him to go. I was about to ask. You think the GM needs to go? I do, because this I think team... I done a good job drafting, though. I don't think you've done He's a done a good job. job in the first in the first round, but after that, there's nobody. Okay. There's nobody. It's too early to tell this year, obviously. But um, again, with Bulls, also there's too much talent on this team and too much chemistry on this team to not produce um, wins. See, I was always in Bulls' corner because I felt like the team rallied behind Bulls, and I feel like that they lost that this year. I don't think the team is playing. I think they started to, but then they realized that, oh, we, we're injured, but our coach isn't playing to win. He's playing to keep it close. But also, I want to go back to the GM. Any other GM would kill to have a top ten draft pick and and a hundred million dollars in cap space. That's that's wonderful. But no, Mike McCagnan has spent the hasn't even spent half of the hundred million this past year or whatever right. in free agency. Instead, he spent it on Tremaine Johnson, who I was very excited for, but he's played in three games. Isaiah Crowell, 
whoever since his 200-yard game has been averaging 35 yards a game. Disgusting. Spencer Long, who cannot even snap. A center that can't snap. And then Terrell Pryor, who we have released. Yeah. Who the, said he was underused in the offensive system. And he I'll was. his word for it. The GM and head coach do not deserve to be in the situation that they're in with a young, talented team who has a top 10 pick and $100 million to spend because they suck. Sam Darnold has regressed. The staff in front office will ruin him. It's, I, and I'm all for, <laughs> they suck, Bill. They suck. Laugh it up, but they suck. Okay, it's disgusting. But I'm starting the trend now, as my followers have seen on Twitter. Hashtag DeFilippo. DeFilippo, whatever his name is, for head coach. Okay. He developed Carson Wentz. Right. He's now the OC in Minnesota, killing it. He's young, he's an offensive-minded, and he's only going to help Darnold. And I think when you get a new offensive-minded coach, he's going to want to go spend in free agency to get the guys, that the weapons that he wants for his offense. So I'm all for it. And there you go. We're going to let that rest. Wow. But uh, the whole staff needs to go. It's pitiful. It's an embarrassment to football and the team. The players don't deserve it. The fans don't deserve it. Get out of New York. I'm about to start the Ben McAdoo. Get Dude, out of New York. Was, Go with Todd Bowles. Uh, this was for sure your 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 craziest rant. I've been trying you. to stay positive, but I can't anymore. I can't. It's disgusting. Wow. I I'll say this. I'm really glad the Giants didn't lose this weekend. Um, <laughs> they were on a bye. Best football you played in two years. Best football you played in two years. <laughs> Eli Manning threw no interceptions. Odell Beckham hit no inanimate objects. Did have a birthday, though. Uh, He had a birthday. (laughs) Um, uh, He spent it in Baton Rouge, where LSU was thumped. We'll talk about that. I broke out of sweat doing that. Yeah, no, I let you you go for a while. Um, Anyway, I guess. On to the next. On to the next. next. I'm I'm mad now. Rams Saints. For me, me, I think it was the most, I think it was the best game I've watched all season. Uh, from an interest standpoint, from a storyline standpoint, from a um, play on the field standpoint. Um, and I think what the game really came down to was McVeigh elected to fake a field goal uh, mm. on a 34-yard attempt with the game tied at 14 on the road in the, in first the second half. quarter. Yeah. Um, missed it. It was kind of a questionable call. I thought he got it. Um, maybe not close enough to overturn it. Um, but then they ended up getting outscored 21 to 10 in that quarter. And that turned out being the, uh, difference in the game. Um, but what you really wanted to talk to here, what talk about here was Drew Brees. Um, what you did was you tweeted after the game, Drew Brees, the discussion is not, is Aaron Rodgers the second best quarterback in the league? Is it, is Drew Brees the best quarterback in the league? Um, and I'll just kind of let you go there. Um, um, here's my thing. The conversation, you hit, you're correct. The conversation should not be Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers because I don't think that's even close in comparison. Okay. I think the conversation should be Drew Brees or Tom Brady. Okay. Because Drew Brees is going to hold every single quarterback record ever known. The good ones too, not the most interceptions in a mm-hmm. lifetime. The guy is throwing for almost 78 completion percentages here. He has a Super Bowl. He owns five of the nine 5,000-yard seasons in NFL history. The guy is the most... And Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he's got the most gifted arm. But Drew Brees is the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. Mm -hmm. And I will never deny Tom Brady's excellence. And as much as we we laugh at... Do you see those tweets about uh, Ben McCockner or whatever his name is? Yeah. Where he breaks down the... As much as we laugh, the guy is right. 
Yeah. You, th- that's the system of the Patriots. It w- it's what works. And for some reason, no one can defend that. With Drew Brees, you're getting everything you want in a quarterback. Over you're getting middle, leadership. Passes, yeah, yeah, but I'm you, you, aside from a talent standpoint, you're getting a leader, a leader yeah. guy that's going to come into work day in, day out. And then on the field, you're getting a guy who could do everything you want. I think, and what, he's consistent at it. What I think it comes down to is this: is I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback we've yes. ever seen. Yes. I think Drew Brees and Tom Brady are on a different level when it comes to accomplish accomplishments, mm-hmm. winning, um, Consistent, consistency. Yeah. Like you see, watched Aaron Rodgers and his maneuverability, the balls. That it's he unbelievable. It's, it's a flick it's of the wrist and it's gone. I, I, I agree, but you can't use that as a as a judgment for you, the how. Goat. Yeah, you I can't. think I think truthfully, it does come down to Drew Brees and Tom Brady, and again, Tom, just think about the the ability to stay healthy. Right, Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Not even that, One but to play at the level that they're playing at at that at age. At that age. And if, neither of them want to retire soon, it doesn't look if like. If Drew Brees wins another Super Bowl, I think the whole conversation... Like, we're saying this now with one Super Bowl. If Drew Brees goes and wins a title, you know, he wins a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl, his second one, I think the conversation will now strictly be Brees or Brady. I think that's what it'll evolve to. I think that's what it is now. I mean, I think... I, it's not talked about enough. I'm saying... If he wins that second championship, the conversation's going to go from here yeah. to here now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He went from close to far. I did. I did. I did. Um, I think another thing that uh, is overlooked here is Drew Brees and Tom Brady, or Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers are in a similar boat where their ownership doesn't do a great job of surrounding them with the kind of talent throughout the roster that you are looking for when you have such a talented player. Um, mm. When Drew Brees has a defense, he competes for championships. That's, that's what I love about him this year is that it's not all on him. No, this you is know, one and, of the few times where this he is, has assistance. This is this is another reason why you could put him in the conversation for the GOAT is because he hasn't had a good people, you know, like I was just getting in a, in a little friendly debate with one of my old roommates of an assumption. He said Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT. He's carried Green Bay. Well, I got news for you. Drew Brees is carrying New Orleans. A hundred percent. They have not had a good team every year, but no. Drew Brees comes in and balls out year in year out. No, and I think it's a bit of a career renaissance with the um, Ingram and Kamara thing. I think they, yes. I, I think they complement what they want to do very, very Perfectly. well. Um, the last thing I want to touch on the Saints game here, just one word on what you thought about the celebration. I thought it was stupid. Uh, at the time of the game, you have 354 left against the most explosive offensive 10-point <clears throat> game. I don't mean to be be a party pooper, but, I mean, you automatically almost put them in field goal range with the penalty. Mm. I thought it was very s- dumb. Um, cool, but dumb. I, I actually agree with you, mm-hmm. but I do just want to say I love I Great creativity. It. I, I, creativity. He, he was repping Joe Horn. I know. I loved it. I, I loved everything about it. I was so hyped to see that. I and I hate that he gets fined for it. Joe Buck was such and I a hate loser that he too. Gets, Joe yeah, Buck did the whole Randy Moss mooning thing. Like, uh, this is a, I can't believe he did this, and they're going to have to talk to him about it in this situation. Yeah. Well, Joe Buck can find himself smart. in baseball. It wasn't smart, but it was. I loved it. I loved it. It wasn't smart, but I loved it, and mm-hmm. I don't think he should be penalized or fined for it. But also, I do want to say about this game, just because uh, I was on my Jets rampage. Mm-hmm. I went from watching the Jets Dolphins shit show to watching the Saints and Rams and night and day. World. These two the Jets are so far away 
and you watch these two teams, like the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, mm-hmm. uh, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Panthers, they make what they do look easy. Yeah. It's and the Jets do not. No. They look like they struggle Anemic every the play. Their defense is good, mm-hmm. but they offensively look like they struggle every play. So there's that. Um, we kind of just touched on the whole battle of the goats, quote-unquote, thing. Yeah. So I just want to state um, Josh Gordon didn't really have to go to New England, so I don't know why the Browns did that to us because New England was so close from collapsing. and then Were they? I, see, I'm not going to let you get away with that. <sighs> I, think, I think New England... I, I think they would have been good without him anyway. They probably would have went and signed. Yeah, Jazz but like somebody. now they, but now he they just have that weapon. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Like it's just they still were winning the AFC East. Oh no doubt, but yeah. they were they were they were beatable. True. But now it's just like oh they got Josh Gordon. I'm gonna go sleep now. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a good point. And um, Belichick just finds the right guys to adjust to his system, mm-hmm. and his uh, his keystone to that is Tom Brady. It's incredible. And uh, speaking of coaches. Uh, Bruce Arians just came out and said that the only job he'll come back for is the Browns' job. Um, interesting, interesting tactic. Good. Um, Let him. He's a Virginia Tech guy, so he likes to accept challenges. I would get nice. <laughs> I builds it. He builds the process, hokey stone by hokey stone. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I knew you liked that. Very I knew it. Good. Very good. Um, but I, I say go for it. Honestly, hundred percent. Baker Mayfield's. Uh, such a talented young quarterback, and you don't want Cleveland to ruin him. Bruce Arians has uh, has a uh, clear success with quarterbacks, and also gives the Jets a better chance to hire DeFilippo, So I'm all for it. Okay, I, I don't think, even know if I'm pronouncing that name right, but I think DeFilippo, DeFilippo. Yeah, D E F I L I P P O. I Listen, believe. Listen, man, whatever. Um, I think this year too on the coaches thing, I don't see a lot of coaches that are going to be fired. I think Bulls. Cutter is out. I think Bowles is out, and I think Harbaugh may be out. He's lost three in a row. I don't think there's any. Re- I don't think. I don't think so. I think they're about one piece away from being a really good team again. I think that piece is Joe Flacco needs to get the hell out of here. Yeah, he can't figure it out. He's so bad. Man. I know. He's so bad. Let's talk about. I think this is the last thing. The MVPs. Uh, the uh, NFL MVPs uh, right now. Oh, before we do MVP, let's do Mariota real quick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mariota, as a lot of people know, is up for a new contract. Yeah. And him and Winston both one and two in the draft class. I I'm under the uh impression here. I think Mariota is the future in Tennessee. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's gotten better every year. It's just a slow getting better. I just don't think you can commit long term. I think what you need to do here is take a look at what happened with Blake Bortles and say and go up to Marcus and be like, listen. We like you. We like your progression. You've had three different offensive coordinators since you've been here. I understand that's challenging. We're going to put you out in an audition here. I'm gonna. We're going to pay you, but it's going to be for a year or two. And it's a, it's a show me or get out kind of deal. He's been sacked 38 times this year. Mm-hmm. A lot of work to do on the offense. Especially line. after they paid their lot, one of them, Luan, Taylor yeah. Lewin, whatever uh, Lewin is, yeah. Michigan man. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's I think that's what you do. I think you I think you look at Bortles. You say I don't want to commit long term, but I think you're our guy. Pay him a good amount, a uh, little good guaranteed contract, but have it be an audition and uh, you know see where you are. I think they have the right coach. I think Vrabel is a good coach. I think he's doing a good job. Um, one of the guys from the uh, Belichick tree that seems to be hitting. Um, well, it's his first first season, so and he look he appears <clears throat> to be doing a good job. Uh, big win by them over Dallas. Uh, last night. So, what is your opinion? What is your take on Mariota? Uh, I'm very similar with you. I think I think Tennessee loves Mariota. Not just the fans, but the front office, the mm-hmm. coaching staff. Um, he's so good with, with in that environment with those fans. 
Um, I think they will will re-sign him. I do think he's the future there. He's been a, like a slow process. Like you said, he's had three OCs, which doesn't help by any means. Um, and even in that situation, he has been horrible. Who's his weapon? And he has no weapons. Yeah, I mean, you there's, can't score, point to there's a guy Corey, they have a Corey good, Davis. He got hurt though, right? No, their he's, tight end? No, he's the receiver from um, Western Michigan. Who's their stud muffin tight end that like broke his leg? Oh, uh, Delaney pieces. Walker. Yeah, he's out for the year. So Well, I I would re-sign him to a one-year deal with a second-year option. Okay. And I'd say, oh, look, wow. this is your audition. GM, GM Will over here. This wow. is your audition. We'll pay you. And um, you show up. It's not even... It's not, I, I would... There's a lot more details that I can't explain what would go into the mm. second... Uh, year because I don't know I yeah. don't know that all that much into detail on how the contract actually works. But that's what I would do because three OCs that's tough. So I would say yeah one one to two year deal if they sign him for the one the second year will be an option mm-hmm. and they can always negotiate in that second year. True. At the end you know for a long term extension mm-hmm. if he shows up. So there's that um, MVPs right now. I have um, Breeze Mahomes. For the quarterback. Oh, breeze, dude. Breeze is definitely on. Todd Gurley, who has 16 touchdowns already. And I think a guy that is balling out but everyone's forgetting about is Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen is having one hell of a year, dude. He's having one hell Number of a year. Number one in receiving yards. It's a tight race this year. You got Gurley. You got Goff. You got Mahomes. You got Breeze. You got Thielen. Um, I think Julio Jones I wanna, will be in there if he scores more love, touchdowns. I would love to see a defensive player just come out and Nabbit. put up put up crazy, crazy numbers throughout a whole year and win it. I would love to see that. Funny that you mentioned that. Um, Danielle Hunter for the Vikings. Killing eight it. Eight games, 11 and a half sacks. On pace to break uh, Michael Strahan's record for single season, 22 and a half. Um, I thought that was a crazy stat. And when I was doing my stat research here also, Julio Jones is in second place in yards with 933 yards. Somehow has one touchdown. Well, he, he hasn't no scored sense. a touchdown in a very long time. He just scored one. The last week was the first yeah. time in like a year and a half. I know. It's kind of like the Ben Simmons thing with the hitting a three. Yeah. It very, very, very bizarre. Um, I think that wraps up our NFL stuff aside from our... Helmet sticker. Let's do some helmet stickers and get into college football. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. I have a very obvious helmet sticker. Ooh, who is it? Michael Thomas. Okay, what's his stat line? Let's hear it. 12 receptions, 211 yards, a tutty, a win, and a celebration for the ages, baby. Wow, respect, dude. My helmet sticker is uh, it's in a loss, but have to give some credit here where credit is due. Tua Tagovailoa has thrown 194 passes and 27 touchdowns, but through his first interception this weekend to a Todd Harris Jr., from Louisiana State University, who got blown out at home by Alabama, but the first player to pick off Tua Tagovailoa in his career. Very nice. First time this year. So, hey, hats off to you, Mr. Todd Harris Jr. Wish you could have played on offense. Maybe it would have helped out a little bit. <laughs> um, college football, let's get into Bama. We're talking about it. Dude. Bama, LSU. Alabama just dominated LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, personally, I think this is – Compared to Bama teams, this is one of the better ones in a while, strictly because uh, they have the defense, but they have that elite playmaking quarterback now. Mm-hmm. That, as I've mentioned many times, Alabama's always been, "Hey, let's kill them on defense till you know that till they're done," and uh, on offense, let's do just enough. But now they have Tua, and it's like, let's just go over the top with everything and ruin everyone's life. It. I, <laughs> I think I don't. To answer the question everybody has is if. Anyone can beat the Alabama Crimson Tide. No. 
I don't think there is anyone. My brother actually tweeted. Uh, he responded to ESPN. They said, "Who can be Bama?" And Jackson said, "The Rams." <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's. I think that's about where it sits. Uh, um, but I think I think the formula is offense. It's definitely not defense, as it, as we proved this weekend. I think if I had to bet my life on, hey, this is the team that has to play Alabama, and if they win, you don't die. I don't know what scenario would be that. I'd say Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma is better than Alabama. I don't think Oklahoma would win the game, but I think that their <coughs> formula of just trying to score more points than Alabama instead of trying to out smash mouth Alabama. Nobody's out smash mouthing Alabama. No one. You have to get lucky. You gotta you gotta hit some big plays, and I think Oklahoma is the best team to do that. I actually 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with you. But just to bring a little bit different, little bit of a different perspective on the matter, I think it's Georgia. Okay. Because they play in two weeks, it's gonna be crazy. Where is it? I don't know. I don't know. That, that, that doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Um, but, you know, their offense is coming alive now. Uh, it's, it's strugg- I think it struggled a little bit in the beginning. Mm-hmm. No? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I could be wrong. Um, but, honestly, I just say Georgia strictly because of the fact of a revenge game, and it's a conference game. Yeah. It, it's a That's how game. I see it. Uh, I think Juices are flowing. I think, the, I, I think Missouri this year posed the biggest, uh, the biggest resistance, I guess, to mm-hmm. Alabama's March to the National Championship. Um, and they did it through offense. So, you know, I think uh, I'll go with Oklahoma. You'll go with Georgia. But we're going with it for the same ideas, I guess. I, um, I'm interested to see this week, though. Mm-hmm. They're playing Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And um, coming off a game like this, yeah, destroying LSU, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's basically handing you the national championship. Yeah. Now, I know Nick Saban is not satisfied. But I want to see that reflection on the players, and I want to see them come out and do what they did to LSU. I just, I just for, I'm a firm believer in the fact that I don't think Alabama will ever beat itself. I don't think Alabama will ever be in a position where they're where they're complacent. I just hmm. don't. I don't think. It's I respect in the it. DNA. I respect um, it. But I respect it. We shall see. Um, Michigan team that's been rolling. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan, killing it, dude. The revenge tour. Trace McSorley looked like a a, a peewee quarterback out there. That's very true. That defense. I just um so for those of you like Billy who did not know what the revenge tour was, Michigan lost to Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State, and uh, there's one more in there. Was Penn, it Penn State. State. Yeah, this week. Yeah, and they beat Wisconsin big. They beat Michigan State big. Now they absolutely murdered Penn State, and they're on to uh, Ohio State in a few weeks. That's going to be their make or break, I think. Um, I don't want them to choke like they have in the past. I think they found their identity, and watching that game, their defense looked stellar. Welcome back, Rashawn Gary. Welcome back, buddy. Um, Also, I just want to throw the question out there. The backup quarterback for Penn State, who were you throwing to on that pick six? Dude, you showed me this at FanDuel. They called it a miscommunication on the on the broadcast. No, he it's threw not. it into Michigan. There's no, <laughs> there's no. I can't even compare it to another. There's no white white. They, they were trying to say that he was hitting. I heard someone say he was trying to hit the under that was right in front of him. But if right in front of him means five feet over his head and five yards behind him, so be it. Um, and then there's someone behind uh, the guy who picked it, but it he's not horrible. even in the picture. There's bad. no excuse for that. No, I mean, I don't know what clicked between his arm and his brain. Like, there was obviously no click. Like, oh, Michigan guy, let's throw it to him. Yeah. There was no guy in a white jersey on the screen. They wear similar colors, you know, they both wear blue. Whatever. You know. Anyway, I think the one thing that's standing out to me right here is I've been a big critic of John Harbaugh and, his, and, and saying that he isn't a great coach. What he's doing is he's out-coaching everybody, and I'm critical Jim Harbaugh? Of J- uh, Jim. Jim, sorry. Um, Shea Patterson, 
I mean, you beat for, uh, Penn State forty-two to seven. You got to expect that there's an unbelievable attack of offense, which there was. But Shea Patterson was eleven of seventeen with one forty-four. I mean, you know, this quarterback was supposed to be the the solver to all of Jim Harbaugh's problems, and he's finding a way to win with. I mean, that's what average quarterback play. Yeah, that's he's average. not turning the ball over, but. Again, 11 of 17. He, they just go out there. They smash mouth. Uh, Chase Winovich is unbelievable. He's Rashawn awesome. Gary is unbelievable. Don Brown doing an incredible job. Chris Partridge CP. doing an unbelievable CP. job. So shout out to them. Uh, I think Michigan will beat Ohio State. It is in Ohio. Um, but I think, I mean, just Michigan, man, ever since uh, that Notre Dame game, they've been playing stellar football. Um, will Greer stewed. Unbelievable performance. That throw is an elite throw. I think... I don't know why he's not being talked about more for the number one quarterback in this draft because he threw three interceptions in one game and everybody like got off the Will Greer train. And I'm like, yo, Sam Darnold just threw four picks in the game. Can we relax now? Mm-hmm. Let I'll it say happen. This. I love the play design. The first play that they ran, they put <coughs> trips on the right side, isolated uh, Sills on the mm-hmm. other side, had him run a slant, catches it, but Tom Herman called the timeout before the play. Come out, break the huddle. This is a two-point conversion. Line up in the exact same formation, trips in the isolation. Had uh, Sills run the slant, waited for it to clear, and Greer just walks into the end zone. Wow. I thought it was. A, I thought it. I, I thought it almost set up perfectly with the timeout. Um, so if they got the timeout before they and no one's play, expecting Will Greer to run it. No doubt, nobody's no expecting that long-haired uh, Hick to run it. So, jeez. Oh, <laughs> anyway, cool dude, impressive. It was on the oh, road. They um, lost the time of possession. You want to go in the game though. You want to go in the game? Sick, Let's man. go in the game. Dana Holgerson with his mullet looks him in the eye. That would get me pumped. You want to go in the game? I love it. Let's if go. If you in haven't the game. seen the video, check it out. Um, very impressive though. A win on the road. You lose the time of possession. You lose the turnover battle. Uh, oh, and just an update: Texas still not back. Um, They're not you know, lost. They were back for a solid two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Um, coming to the end of college football talk. Just want to let you guys know we do have a partner of ours. Evan Watkins of VT Scoop. He's our ACC insider, mm-hmm. I guess you can call it. He will be coming on the show in a little bit um, after our MLB talk. Yes. Just to give us a little breakdown of what's going on in the roller coaster of the year. We left it out. Um, the ACC has been a complete disaster yeah. this year. And, so, uh, the, and they were coming up, man. They were like, they were oh, this is the up. best football conference right here. This is it. I mean, there is a legitimate chance for a team like Virginia Tech to have five wins and get into the ACC championship. Not be bowl eligible, but get into the ACC I championship. I mean, that's bonkers. Dude, you guys cannot be, you can't be not bowl eligible. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be bowl eligible. I know. Because you're streak. I know. But, um, tell me about MLB, that. the, the, uh, finalists for each award came out. I'm going to read them off to you. We'll just go back and forth. Okay. Doesn't have to be anything. AL Rookie of the Year, Duhar Otani Torres. Who are you taking? Give me Duhar. I'm taking in Duhar. NL Rookie of the Year. Acuna, Bueller, or uh, what, what, Soto? Give me Asuna. Me too. Um, manager of the Year in the AL, Cora, Cash, or Melvin? Melvin of the A's, Cash of the Rays, Cora of the Red Sox. Honorable mention to Melvin. Got to give it to Cora. I Every think button he pushed. You got to give right it to button. Cora. You have to. No question. Um, NL, Manager of the Year. You got Black from the Rockies. Uh, guy from the Brewers, Consul, I think his name is, and then Snicker from the Braves. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm going to go with Bud Black because they were having Ooh. a lot of bullpen trouble at the beginning of the year, and he was able to right that ship. Um, obviously, 
it sucks to hand these out after the playoffs because it's such an emotion. Like, like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of it from an emotional. I try to remove that and just think of how Bud Black was able to maneuver through this season with just such a horrible bullpen performance. So I'll go with Bud Black. I'm going with Consul from uh, the Brewers just because no one really expected the Brewers to be this good this year. Nope. Nope. They nope. came out nope. performed very well. Um, Cy Young, AL, Kluber, Snell, or Verlander. We discussed this a little while ago. I had Snell. So did you. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've changed your mind. No. And then the uh, NL Cy Young. It's almost disrespectful to put anybody else next to uh, Jacob Degrom. I'm telling you, man, he's not. I don't think he's gonna win it. No, I really Billy, don't. stop, man. I'm, I really, I, I swear to God, I don't think he's gonna win it. I, I, I'm like mentally preparing myself. I really don't think he's gonna win. I think it's gonna go to someone else. Scherzer or Nola? I think it'll go to Scherzer. No, stop. stop. I hope not, but I think that's what's gonna happen. Well, it's disrespectful to put any name next to Degrom. Okay. MVP. AL, Mookie Betts, Jose Ramirez, or Mike Trout. All had phenomenal years. Uh, you already know where I went with these. I went with uh, Mookie and Yelich. Yeah, I went the same way. Um, yeah, Mookie and Yelich. Do there we want to knock out winners and losers real quick? Yeah, and we'll put the interview at the end. We can do that. Yeah. All right, guys, look at this. We're just we're engineering our podcast <laughs> on the fly. Doesn't get any better than that. Winner. <sighs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Who is it? I dug deep in my pockets here, and um, I'm going to go with Steve Adazio, not just because he beat Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech, because a lot of people are doing that. Um, Steve Adazio has done what I thought was impossible. He went to Boston College and said, we're going to run smash mouth football with a power, and we're going to control time of possession. We're going to play good defense. With a Jersey quarterback? With a New Jersey quarterback, and I didn't think it was possible. I said, you know, at the ACC, you got to score a lot of points. you got to be fast. you got to be physical. Um, and he's just come in, ran his power, <coughs> has a top 25 team right now. College game day is going to Chestnut Hill. He lost Don Brown, but their defense is still dominant. Yep. Um, and I think it's very impressive what he's doing over there. So shout out to Steve Adazio doing an excellent job. Respect. In Hill. Uh, my winner is Josh Gordon. Wow. I'm happy for him. Revenge tour. Despite him being a New England Patriot, as much as it hurts that he got traded there, I am very happy for him. A guy that's gotten back it's up on his feet and he's going well. out. It's really it it it, it it's I, I, I think everybody's rooting yeah. for him. I don't think anybody's rooting against him. Um, loser. My loser. I'm super excited to say this. Ooh. Who is it? Because this is one of like my best losers in a while. I, think. I don't know. I don't, refer- I don't oh, really know I the guy's name. The right. Nebraska kicker. Right. Kickoff. Backwards. Onside kick. Squib kick. Whatever. Whatever type of kickoff you want to call it. I had never in my lifetime seen a kickoff go backwards. But can you angle it as impressive? Is it not impressive? I want to say yes. But it is. It is impressive penalty, because though. physically, like. If you wrote this down scientifically, yeah. with the momentum going forward, with the way you kick the ball, especially on an onside kick, you kick it on the top so it rolls uh-huh. forward. No, yeah, you'd have to kick it. It's physically, like, it physics-wise, it's impossible. It doesn't make sense to kick the ball backwards, but this guy did it. Nebraska's a bad football team this year. They're bad, they but they'll, they'll, in... they'll be good. No, they have two wins. Okay. They just competed with Ohio State. They'll be all right. Scott Frost will be all right. So, yeah. And then my loser, other loser, Jets. You guys suck. Not good. Love you, um, players. I love you, though. My loser has been <laughs> a winner. Sport, 100%. Has been a winner earlier this season. Okay. And it is Benny Snell. I'm going to invoke a new rule for myself. If you go <laughs> down this rabbit hole <laughs> of saying that the rating system or recruiting is similar to slavery, you will be my loser no matter what. <laughs> ben Snell comes out of here and compares the... 
24-7 and rivals ranking system to <laughs> as pointing to someone and saying, who's the best slave? What are you talking about, dog? Oh, my God. Stop. Th- th- this, this is a garbage take. It's been a garbage take. Just, uh, it's not, You can't come out and say you're the best running back in the SEC, and you've been, li- you've been playing very well, and you got a chance of being drafted and then come out and say this. He's been an outspoken guy, but I mean, this. But take this is, is just, just too far. It's, it's, this take is just. It's. it's I can't really... believe he said that. No, what goes... <laughs> Who's the best slave? What goes just through un- people's just, just minds? Unbelievably stupid, dumb, dumb, dumbness. But that's my loser. Any shout-outs? Um, yeah, actually, uh, Keys. Happy birthday, buddy. Oh yeah, it is his. My birthday. brother for life. It is Much his love. birthday. Um, what about you? As the show comes to an end. Justin Robinson. From Virginia Tech, named the Bob Cousy Award watch list. Fired up for him. Saw that. Um, other than that, uh, we're going to get into our interview with Evan Watkins of um, VT Scoop. Yep. You guys uh, probably won't hear from us afterwards. Probably Maybe a will. Maybe. Maybe a little touch. But, yeah. Here's our here's our interview, I guess. Yeah. Here's our interview with Evan Watkins yeah, by you'll VT hear. Scoop. You'll hear from us. We'll you'll chime in. We'll yeah. Say, we can't not check yeah. in with you guys. Evan Watkins from VT Scoop, little ACC talk. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, everyone, welcome back. On the line, we have Evan Watkins from VT Scoop. Evan, how's everything going? What's up, Evan? Man, I can't complain. How are you guys? Doing Doing well. Doing well. Really fired up to talk a little Hokies football, talk a little ACC football. But first, um, looking to have you on the show a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about VT Scoop? Yeah, you know, we're the the Virginia Tech um, site for the 24-7 Sports Network underneath the CBS Sports umbrella. Um, you know, I think we have the uh, fastest-growing message board community of Virginia Tech, covering Virginia Tech football, basketball, recruiting, do a little bit of wrestling here and there, some other, uh, you know, Olympic-style sports when uh, when the opportunity arises. But, you know, we've, we've been around for a few years. We've really kind of cornered the market a little bit on the uh, football recruiting. That's kind of our breadwinner. Um, you know, the bell cow right now for us and we pride ourselves on being the best having the best information and, and having it as fast as possible so you know if you're a virginia tech fan out there and, and really looking at recruiting information you want to kind of see how the football team's going to look in the future the basketball team's going to look in the future just get a behind the scenes look at some things i i highly recommend it you know it's uh for vip access it's about 12.99 a month it's it's very affordable. Um, if, if Virginia Tech's not your thing, you're listening to this and, and you're not a Virginia Tech fan, we cover all other schools too on 24-7 sports. You can check out their individual sites. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great company. we got a lot of uh, cool stuff coming down the pipe. And, you know, if, uh, if you're a Hokie, I'd, I'd love to see you on the site and see you on the message board and shoot me a message or hit me up on Twitter that you join. That'd be awesome. There you go, man. There you go. Um, so, Evan... Obviously, this ACC. Just want to ask you a little bit about the ACC before we get into Virginia Tech. Um, how, if you had to pick one word to describe the ACC this season, what would it be? Clemson. Clemson. <laughs> that just about that just about sums it up. They've been kind of carrying what's going on in the ACC right now, but you know, how can you explain the fall off? I mean, the ACC has kind of gone from you know, vying to be the second best conference or vying to pass the SEC, winning big games at a conference. And this year, it just seems like they've dropped the ball at just about every turn. Um, why do you think that's 
happened with the regression of Florida State, the regression of LSU, Virginia Tech? Do you think it's a uh, these teams are all young at the same time? Do you think it's a um, I can't really point my finger to anything. What do you really think that it is? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a couple of things that play. I do think youth plays into it a little bit. I do, I do think that some teams and some schools might overuse that a little bit because at some point in time, every school is going to be young at certain positions. Um, you know, I think Virginia Tech is in an interesting spot because they are so young on defense throughout the entire defense. Um, I think the other night they had eight freshmen, redshirt or true freshmen, on the defense at one time. That's, that, I mean, that's tough to uh, to overcome for any division, um, you know, Division One, Division Two, Power Five, G Five, all of that. So, you know, that's really tough for Virginia Tech in in, in particular. Um, I, I think across the board, though, the biggest question that I've had with, with the ACC, and I think it has has uh, it all it all comes back to recruiting, is really quarterback play. You know, there's been very up-and-down quarterback play in the ACC, and there hasn't really been a group of guys that you can point to and say that, like, you know, these, these guys are the future of the conference or, or these are guys that you want to get, get you know, look at for years to come. Florida State had Winston. Virginia Tech had Tyrod. You know, there's been a lot of players that have come through the ACC over the past few years where it's like that's a big-time quarterback. Yeah, Clemson has one right now. I mean, they have Trevor Lawrence, who's really looked like really good. Um, but other than that, there hasn't really been that many big-time quarterbacks. You know, Ryan Finley, I'd say, is a pretty big-time quarterback. I like the, the guy from Duke, Daniel Jones. I think he can spin it pretty well. Um, I, I think Ryan Willis can spin it pretty well, too. But when you're looking across the whole conference, I think that that kind of plays into it. Um, you also have a lot of coaching turnover that happened around the same time with Justin Fuente and a couple of those other schools having turnover. And, I mean, you you experienced it when a turnover coaching uh, change happens. There's a culture change that happens. There's players that leave the program. You know, the coaches want to bring in their own guys. You got all the new assistants and everything coming. I think that plays into it, too. And the biggest thing is is really recruiting. Everybody wants to go to the SEC. They can't go to the SEC. They want to go to Clemson. If they're an offensive player, they can't go to the SEC or Clemson. They're looking a lot at Big 12. They're going to air it out. Um, we're looking at Big 10. I think Penn State's done a fantastic job recruiting in the Mid-Atlantic. I think that uh, Maryland's done a pretty good job. Um, you've got schools like Texas A&M are coming into Virginia and recruiting. Um, Florida, Florida State, Miami, they're always going to have their hotbed down there in Florida. Um, you're having schools like Iowa State coming in and picking up some kids from like Georgia or, or North Carolina, South Carolina region. I think recruiting is probably the biggest reason. I think it's more spread out. I've been a big proponent. I know Virginia Tech fans will probably beat their head against the wall for, for, for me even bringing this up. But on a small scale, Virginia Tech, if Virginia Tech can keep Virginia players at home, they're going to be a very good program. I think every program could say the same thing. If North Carolina could keep North Carolina prospects at home, or Duke, or Wake Forest, Rutgers, Miami, <laughs> Rutgers is another one. <laughs> yeah, if you can keep your recruits from leaving your state, you're going to really build the program, and you're going to really start to build up the conference. I think a lot of people are seeing it this year that the ACC is down. Not necessarily because Clemson is that good. I mean, Clemson is good. They've been good for a few years. But there's nobody else because everybody else has gotten a little bit worse, in my opinion. Right. And it uh, is really making Clemson look a lot better. There is no clear-cut number two. I mean, 
right now, like in the in the uh, the coastal, Pittsburgh is is leading the, the the coastal, and they're five and four. Like, when's the last time that's happened? That's it. It just seems like there's a there's just mediocre play kind of all throughout the ACC, other than Clemson, and it's kind of you know, diluting the value of the ACC a little bit this year. I think it will bounce back. I think that Florida State will be better once Willie Taggart kind of finds his foothold down there. I think that Justin Fuente is going to a roster uh, management year right now. I think that's the best way I would characterize it. And these players are going to get better as they get older. Uh, I think Miami's going through a little bit of that, too, trying to find a quarterback. Louisville's got to find a quarterback. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, I think that the ACC will improve maybe maybe next year or the year after. Um, you know, everybody's trying to ch- chase the SEC right now, and everybody's trying to be Clemson. And, and Clemson didn't happen overnight. The SEC didn't happen overnight. This stuff takes time. But I think, I think Virginia Tech and the ACC will bounce back. I agree. I agree. I mean, you mentioned the quarterback thing. The one person who I think has been the biggest disappointment, and I don't know if it's his fault, is DeAndre Francois. I mean, you know, a lot of people were made drawing comparisons to Cam Newton. Um, You know, it's been, and kind of with Willie Taggart coming in with the whole Oregon. Terrible O-line. Yeah, I mean, the terrible, the combination of the bad offensive line play and uh, the inept offense and not using... uh, the talent they have, it's been really surprising to see a guy like him not thrive when the ACC is so down um, this year. Absolutely. And I'll tell you another one. Um, that Puma passed from uh, over at Louisville. Yep. I followed him throughout recruiting. I know Virginia Tech was involved for a little bit, and a couple other schools were involved. He was a big-time recruit. He looked really good on film coming out of high school. And I don't know if it's the game's too fast for him or he's not getting help up front. But he just hasn't looked comfortable all year. And, uh, you know, some people think that you can plug and play players from high school to uh, to college, and it's just not that easy. You know, the game's a lot faster. Players are a lot bigger, a lot more mature, a lot, you know, a lot quicker, faster, stronger. So, you know, he's been one that I've been looking at is, you know, where's the kid I saw in high school? And maybe maybe I will see that again. Maybe that will come back out at some point in time. But, you know, he's another one I would put up there. I think DeAndre Francois is, is probably a big disappointment from the quarterback standpoint across the ACC from, from a lot of people's eyes. Um, so, yeah, there you go, Bill. Um, all right, so, Evan, look, you're, uh, you touched on it a little bit before talking about Virginia Tech. Just from their standpoint, they're a young team, you know. They had a little bit of hit a little bit of a bump in the road so far this year. A few of them. It's a pretty but, big bump. Yeah, pretty big bump. <laughs> but what do you see from them so far this season? What's your takeaway? You know, I think they're growing. I think that a lot of people, you know, look at Virginia Tech and they look at the success that Justin Fuente had in his first two years, and they assumed Virginia Tech was just going to be. Uh, you know, another nine to ten win team under Fuente in, in year three with, you know, an easy ACC coastal schedule. But I don't think people realized how much uh, attrition and roster turnover they had. I mean, I, I know a lot of people kind of questioned when Terrell Edmonds decided to turn pro or Tim Settle decided to turn pro, and, and obviously, you, as a you know, fans, they can question that as much as they want. But um, when guys like that leave. 
you have to be able to recruit that position and be able to land somebody that can replace them. Um, it's not to say that they can re- re- you know, land a high school player that could replace Tremaine or a high school player that can replace Tim Settle right away. That's just not going to happen. Those guys were, were athletic freaks. Um, but, you know, that's one area that Virginia Tech, I think, needs to improve on is, is doing that roster management. But with, with the roster the way that it is and the defense the way that it is, we're seeing every week players improve. I know a lot of fans get emotional, and I know they look at a loss and they, you know, might want to throw the TV out the window or, or you know, go, you know, curse out their dog or something. But you know, when uh, when you're watching a game and you watch individual players, I think there's a lot of growth that I have seen happen. You know, in the Boston College game, I loved Rico Kearney and I loved he watching that. What do you have? Eighteen and tackles that game. Two freshmen that just played with, you know, reckless abandon. Yeah, they missed some assignments, but they played darn good football for for freshmen. And they're growing. Every week, they're going to grow a little bit. Um, You know, Caleb Farley, I think people got a false sense of how good he he would be with uh, that Florida State game. You know, two interceptions in your first game. That's, That's pretty, you know, pretty impressive. And then, oh, he's had a few games without interceptions. Oh, he got beat for a touchdown. People don't realize this is, you know, this is his first year ever playing corner, coming off of a knee injury. It's going to take some time for him to grow. And over the last few games, you've seen him kind of get in that hip pocket at the corner and, and be able to play tight coverage. Yes, he will still blow a coverage here and there. Yes, he will still get beat. Yes, he will not be able to come up and make a tackle. But that's part of growth. You know, we saw a little bit of the same thing with Divine Diablo last year. But he had the ability where he could sit behind Terrell Edmonds and learn a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he played you know, four games before he had an injury. But now, you know, Ter- or Devon Diablo is the glue of the defense. Mm-hmm. Last year, he was a converted wide receiver playing his first few games in safety. Um, you know, when you look at the defensive line, Trayvon Hill being dismissed hurt the program. There's no other way to say it. He, he was a he was a big-time player for Virginia Tech, and in his place, you're seeing guys step up and try to make plays. Taiwan Garbutt, I think, has done a really good job. He hasn't had the stats that a lot of people probably would look for, but he's been disruptive during his chances. I think House Games has been disruptive, especially for what he's been going through off the field, you know, mm-hmm. mentally. That That's a lot for a, for a college uh, athlete to be able to handle um, you know, when you look at the offense, the offense has stalled multiple times, but you have to look at some individual play. Ryan Willis, I think, has played very good football. For I think he's a, played well, too, yeah. For being a, a transfer walk-on, I mean, you, your starter gets hurt, and you throw him in, he's, he is the starter, he's putting up big numbers. You can show off that he's got a big arm. I think uh, Damon Hazleton, yes, he's had some drops. Yes, he's had two that bounced off him for interceptions. But he's lived up to the hype, in my opinion. I think he's going to be a very good receiver. We compared him a lot to Isaiah Ford. I think that he does make a few more mental mistakes than Isaiah Ford did, but there are some very good similarities there. Um, Look at a guy like Hezekiah Grimsley, who had, what, 10 receptions last year as a freshman, and this year I think he's third on the team in receptions, maybe fourth. Uh, And he always seems to get open and make some big-time catches. A guy like Trey Turner – true freshman coming in yeah he was highly recruited but he missed most of his senior year with a shoulder injury came in nobody knew what he could do because he couldn't play in the spring and every week you see his workload increase and increase and increase and all of a sudden now he's caught a couple touchdowns he's you know had about 200 yards of receiving 
and he's continuing to become a very formidable part of the offense. You know, the big thing for me is not only this year, but what's building for next year. With Virginia Tech only having five scholarship seniors right now, this class is going, or this this team is going to continue to gel. They're going to continue to build, and they're going to continue to get better. Next year will be another step. The next year will be another step, and they're just going to keep working together. You're going to lose a few, add a few, lose a few, add a few, as always. But I think that yes, it's. I'm sure Virginia Tech fans get frustrated looking at the the record and thinking that you know there's a chance they could lose to UVA. There's a chance that the bowl streak could end. But looking at the big picture, I think that they are. At the, getting a front row seat at some very good development of future Virginia Tech teams that you can look back in a few years and think, man, I, I remember when he was a freshman and now look at how good this kid is. Uh, so I think that's really exciting to look at. Well, here's a question I got. Is a lot of folks are kind of pointing towards the Notre Dame game and the Thursday night game versus Georgia Tech. Um, and being in a position where you're talking to these recruits after they visit Virginia Tech, do you see when Virginia Tech rolls out the red carpet and, you know, 66,000 pack the stadium, they get these primetime games and the opportunity to showcase the school, do you think recruits look more at, wow, this place is incredible, look at the fan turnout, look at the environment, I want to be a part of this, or do you think they look more at, why aren't we performing on this stage? That's a question that I've kind of been wondering about myself, is are they really looking at the result or are they looking at the stage? Because I feel like looking too much into the to the losses isn't really as a fan what you want to be doing, but to get into the mindset of the of the recruit and what they see and what they take away from that experience, what do you think is the mentality of the, most of the recruits that you talk to when they come to Virginia Tech to see that environment when the result isn't really what Virginia Tech fans actually, are looking for? I've always wondered that as well. Yep. Now, I, have, I will tell you, I have never spoken to a recruit after a win that says I'm going to Virginia Tech because they won that game. Just like I've never talked to a kid that said I'm not going to Virginia Tech because they lost that game. One game doesn't matter. To be honest, one season doesn't necessarily matter because that player's not there right now. They're going to look for the future. Is the program building? Is there an opportunity for me to play? Do I like the players? Do I like the coaches? Do I trust the coaches? Yeah, fan support is really big. Um, you know, will will I be able to play in front of people that, you know, will will fans come, will it be on TV? Will my parents be able to come? Will my family be able to be at all of my games or some of my games? You know, if something happens at 2 o'clock in the morning, do I have a support system here? Do I have a coaching staff here that I can call that will help me in any way I need? Um, do I have friends? Do I have, uh, you know, a support system academically? You know, because you've been through it, there are thousands of things that recruits look at um, when when making sure they want to go to a school. Um, you know, yeah, you want to go to a winning program. Everybody wants to go to a winning program. But how are the coaches selling that? Are the coaches going in there saying, hey, I think for the next five years we're going to win eight games total? No, the coaches are saying with you here – we can go from seven wins to ten wins in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, in year two, we can go to 12 wins. We can play for a national championship. It's all in how you package it and how you sell it. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that one game, one play, one season doesn't define a recruit's interest in a school. I think that the environment, a big win can help, 
I, I do believe that. You go to a big game, you win on you, the team you go to a visit wins on a national scene. You go out, you experience the parties, you experience the fans, all of that. Yes, that absolutely helps. But going to a big game and not getting a victory doesn't hurt. It can always be sold in a, in, in a positive way to the recruit. And it's, you know, these recruits are going to go on so many visits and so many, you know, they're going to talk with so many schools and so many coaches. It's more about the relationship that they build within individuals at the university, whether that's the chaplain, the coaching staff, mm-hmm. the uh, strength staff, maybe, you know, some, some players, maybe they have high school teammates or old teammates that go there. All of those relationships matter way more, in my opinion and in my experience, than one loss, one win, or one season do. I agree, but one thing that was incredible was, I mean, coming off of the two-game skid that we were coming off of, I mean, just to see the fan support um, at Virginia Tech, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed, top 25 team, not top 25 team, to find another school where coming off a disappointing loss – like we did against Georgia Tech to pack the stadium like that, um, you know you're you're not going to find that kind of support elsewhere. Um, and you know uh, I think honestly the the stage is second to none and uh, the fans are second to none and uh, it was incredible to see that turnout. Mm-hmm. And I'll uh, I'll say I mean after talking to all the kids that that go through Virginia Tech go through the recruiting process whether they go to Virginia Tech or not. The message has been the same as, uh, you know, when Justin Fuente is there of we are building something special. You know, Frank Beamer had his own personal message that that he would put on with a lot of recruits. We're going to win 10 games. We're going to go to bowl games, you know, things like that. Um, Justin Fuente is we're building something special and we're going to compete for a championship. That's what every recruit is telling me the message is. He's very, very – he's done very well relating to the, to the kids, a lot of people see him in press conferences or see him on the sidelines and think this guy doesn't relate well to, to, to recruits. I actually see the opposite. Every recruit that I talk to is very, very complimentary of Fuente and his staff. Doesn't mean they're going to go there. Doesn't mean that they'll sign with Virginia Tech. They might go to another school because every school is trying to sell something. Every 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 uh, recruitment is just a giant sales job. But you know, I think that Fuente has done a very good job of bringing in some big-time talent that can help. Um, you know, I, I looked at it uh, yesterday, I believe, in two in the last two classes. He's brought in, I believe it's 11 composite four-star recruits, and, and that's more in a two-year span than I remember Frank Beamer bringing in since, you know, since 24-7 has done the, the industry-generated uh, composite rankings. So kids are relating to him. The the story that he is he's, he's telling them is, uh, is one that I think is very, uh, you know, attractive to a lot of these recruits. And, you know, I think that he's done a good job, and I think it needs to continue for Virginia Tech to take that next step. Evan, you mentioned um, Coach Fuente trying to build a championship here. And right now, you guys are sitting at 3-2 and two in conference play behind Pitt and UVA, both who you still have on your schedule. How do you – you guys are kind of in control of your own destiny here. How do you see – Virginia Tech finishing off the year with these two opponents on um, coming up. Okay, now I know Pitt is a game that nobody looks forward to playing at Heinz Field. I get that. It's a tough place to play. It's an NFL stadium. Beamer, I think his last four attempts there, I think he went over 4. It's, it's, it's real tough. Um, 
But I've, you know, after watching the ACC this year, watching the Coastal, watching these teams play, I think that I, I think that Boston College is a better team than Pittsburgh is. I think that they're fairly similar. I think that they can be attacked in the same way, and I think that they will attack in roughly the same way. Um, but they do not have an AJ Dillon. I think that's a big, a big uh, wild card there mm-hmm. for for uh, for Virginia Tech going into this game. I, uh, a lot of people think that Pittsburgh might run away with this one. I think that Pittsburgh's going to pick up yards. I think Pittsburgh's going to pick up points. I think that uh, if I'm Virginia Tech and I'm Bud Foster, and I'm not to say that I'm smarter than Bud Foster because he's smarter than I will probably ever be, but I will put <laughs> Devon Diablo in that whip spot. I will play him there instead of Ladler, just like I did against Boston College. I'd let him run the alley and take away the run game. If, they, if Virginia Tech can take away Pitt's run game, I think that, that Virginia Tech has a, a, a better offense, um, mm-hmm. honestly. If they can slow down Pitt's ground game, I think that Virginia Tech will win and, and beat uh, Pitt. I don't think it'll be a, uh, a high-scoring event, I think, in the 20s. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I'll put out my official prediction later on this week, but I'm going to go with Virginia Tech uh, uh, beating Pitt at Heinz Field. I'm going to go with by less than six. I don't know okay. exactly the score yet, but I'm going to go less than six. What about uh, what about the rest of the season? So we got Miami, who's down. Um, they'll yep. be coming into Blacksburg. Probably not going to be a night game. Uh, almost certainly not going to be a night game. Um, and then, you know, my kind of thing has been, if there was a year that Virginia Tech would have a real struggle with UVA, it would be this year. Uh, they got an athletic quarterback. The defense is kind of down. But I think the fact that this game is in Lane Stadium bodes very well for Virginia Tech. Um, you know, how do you see the rest of uh, the season Rounding out, I know it's kind of hard to get ahead of yourself with the way things have been in the ACC, but um, you know, do you think the Hokies have a realistic chance to get into the ACC championship game? Um, you know, I know it's hard to look ahead, but what is your outlook? So with Miami, I don't know what to expect, honestly. No, their doctor, Doctor Jekyll over there. I don't know. I don't know what you know. What quarterback is going to come and play? Um, how their defense is going to look, how their offense will – if their offense clicks, I mean, they can be a very good team. They have players. On paper, they should be the best team in the in the ACC Coastal. But, you know, will they actually show up to play? And the big thing with Miami, too, is if Miami is knocked out of ACC contention for the championship game, I'm not sold that they won't check out mentally. Um, I think that – yeah, it's a struggle for a lot of teams that have a lot of youth and, and a lot of inexperience, and I think that that's, a, that's an issue for Miami. Um, I, you know, right now I think that Miami will probably go into Lane Stadium and win. I think it will be ugly on both sides of the ball um, uh, for both teams. Um, but right now I think that Miami could beat Virginia Tech. The big one for me is the UVA game, and I do agree with you. I think if there is a year that UVA beats Virginia Tech, I think this is the year. I think that it it lines up uh, for them. The big question for me, though, is if I'm UVA, I do not like playing Georgia Tech on Saturday, having a short week, and having to travel to Lane Stadium. You're already down a few players. A few defensive players went out against Pitt. You're going to have to play a Georgia Tech team who – Ask if you ask every school in the ACC who's one team you don't want to play is Georgia Tech because they're just going to beat you up in the trenches. You're going to have uh, you know good, a good chance of some more injuries lining up on your defense. Then you're going to play a tough physical triple option game where your defense is going to be on the field for most of the night. Then you have to you know 
travel to Blacksburg like five day, four or five days later, be able to get your practices in, get a walkthrough in, you're going to be sore. You're going to be a beat-up team. I don't like that if I'm a Virginia fan. I do agree Virginia has a dynamic quarterback. I have not seen a lot out of his arm. I think that if you can keep him from uh, from scrambling and escaping the pocket, if you can uh, you know kind of contain that that scramble drill that they run, I think that uh, I think the Virginia Tech has a has a good shot there. I think that Virginia Tech's offense will be able to put up some points. Um, you know, stopping a running quarterback has been a Bud Foster kryptonite, and this year, you know, they they've given up some big yards to a lot of running backs, or, or I'm sorry, to a lot of quarterbacks. So, you know, I think that that is an, uh, an iffy one. I think that this game will be close again, just like it has been. Um, you know, last year was, was a close game. I think this year is a close game too. But when you factor in the short week and Georgia Tech um, the week before, uh, yeah, I think that Virginia Tech has a a pretty good chance to uh, to keep that streak going. So I'm going to go the final three games of Virginia Tech beating Pittsburgh, losing to Miami, and beating UVA, and backdooring their way somehow into the opportunity to represent the Coastal against Clemson. And regardless of who goes from the Coastal, if it's Virginia Tech or anyone else, uh, Clemson's going to win that game and and move on. They're just they're just a machine right now. So you know if any team's going to go, I think Virginia Tech has a, as good of a shot right now as, as really anyone else. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> as far as being at home against Virginia, Billy, I'm sure you could back me up on this. It, there's no telling who who can win a game in hate week, no matter what the difference is between the two. We've seen huge upsets in those weeks, so I think that's a huge factor for you guys playing in your favor. I agree 100 percent and. You know, again, there's something to be said about winning a rivalry game year in, year out, year yeah. in, year out. It's a different, it's a different fire for sure. It's, that, it's a different, different juice that you that you bring to the table when you play up against you know your rival. No matter how good or bad your season has gone, it's the only thing you look forward to. Agreed. And uh, Evan, last question for you. Um, you know, I feel like uh, you know no one can answer your, this question. Uh, Outside the program as well as you can, um, you know we have a lot of young c- contributing players right now. Um, but what Virginia Tech player that was either redshirted this year or is not playing much, maybe rotating, do you see making a big splash next year? I mean, a name that can pop that pops into my head is uh, Webb at the corner position who missed a season or uh, Patterson. I'm, lo- I'm looking. Fo- is that the quarterback, Patterson? Patterson? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. So, who would you say? Is uh is poised to make that big splash a name to watch out for uh, next season or um you know just in that position? You know I think there's a few that come to mind. Obviously the first one that I would go to as well is Webb. You know I think that he was a guy that was poised to start this year before that injury. Um, you know an Achilles tear is tough to come back from. Um, there's no really way to sugarcoat that. But everything I've heard, he's above. He's ahead of schedule. Um, he seems to be doing really well with the injury. So I think that he's a guy that will step in and make a big impact next year. Um, I also, you know, I think Quincy Patterson, got to think that name has to come up. Um, I think Ryan Willis has done a really good job this year. I'm not convinced. You know, I think that Willis might have stolen the job from Josh Jackson. You know, when Josh Jackson is back, when he's healthy, can he – you know, dethrone Ryan Willis. Now, that's not to say I'm not a guy that thinks that you should lose your position when you get injured. I think that you should have a chance to fight for it again. Um, and I'm sure he will get that shot. But Ryan Willis has played some darn good football. I feel like Ryan um, Willis I, is a little bit better of a passer. 
Uh, I think he's got a, a, a stronger arm. I will say I believe that Josh Jackson reads the field a little bit better, maybe goes through progressions a little bit better. Um, you definitely see it more than I do. I mean, I'm just saying from what I've seen as far as looking yeah. up here. I mean, you'd see him week in oh, yeah. and week out, so you, de- you would easily know more. And the one thing that I've said is, you know, it's awkward for me to weigh in these situations, but just looking from a, from a fan or uh, watching the play on the field perspective, Ryan Willis can spin the hell out of the ball. I just think the one thing that we are missing right now is, you know, Josh Jackson's ability to go through a game and his calmness, his uh, ability to uh, protect the ball is something that Virginia Tech's kind of been missing, especially with their defensive struggles. So I think think they're two very different talents. I think they're very, uh, you know, they, they are on completely opposite sides of the spectrum. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I think one of the other things that Virginia Tech is, is missing since you bring it up is Virginia Tech needs a running back. They need a ground game. Um, I think Stephen Peoples has a role. I think Deshaun McLeese has a role. But neither are a game-breaker ACC running back. When you're looking at guys like Cam Akers or even Kalen LeBourne that, you know, is a Virginia guy and went down to Florida State, uh, he's hurt now, but he had that it was one play. Talk about an embarrassment of riches down at Florida State. He had one play that was one of the most electric runs that you'll probably see all year um, from, from a guy that's their third-string running back. And, and Virginia Tech had a shot at him. I mean, he's an in-state kid. He, he had Virginia Tech in his top group, and he went to Florida State instead. Um, they've had a couple guys that you know that has happened to. That's they really need to find. That. I think they've done well there with their, um, you know, with their recruitment this class. They got two running backs that I think uh, I think can be you know really good ACC backs in the next few years. Um, but you know, the, the biggest thing uh, for Virginia Tech, and I'll say the the, the unknown that I'll throw out there of who can make a big impact next year is who they can get on the junior college or grad transfer market. Yes, they sir. have to find, yes, sir. they have to find a Juco defensive tackle minimum one. I've heard there's a possibility of two, um, you know, they're, they're all in on a Juco edge rusher that they think could be the next Tremaine Edmonds out of independence high school. His name's Kawani Dang. He's originally from Virginia. It's a four-star kid. He'll be on last Virginia chance. Tech. You this, uh, this fall then yeah yep and, and you know cool story with him he um you, you know you know juco is kind of a different animal and people think oh this kid went to virginia military instead he went to vmi he didn't even go d1 out of high school but he went to vmi and was coached by justin hamilton so i think that's a cool little connection where he learned how to really play football under justin hamilton who's now on staff at virginia tech so i think that can really help the Hokies in that recruitment um and he's a guy went to vmi out of high school transferred to junior college his top five right now is virginia tech ucla texas a&m cal and lsu talk about a kid that went from vmi to some of the biggest football programs in the country um i mean that's an unreal turnaround um and, and you know virginia tech needs to find a juco corner in my opinion that having web on one side's great you know if you're gonna have farley or watts or, or some guys that rotate in there great but Virginia Tech needs two shut down corners I think Farley can be that in the long run I don't think he's going to be that next year kind of reminds me a little bit of Greg Stroman early I think that he has great potential but I don't think that he will be able to do it as early as a lot of people hope so Virginia Tech can find two JUCO D tackles or grad transfer D tackles maybe a corner 
and you know if they can solidify uh, a commitment and a signing from Kawani Dang, I think that you're going to see this defense take a huge step forward next year, and I think that that's only going to help the offense. Evan Watkins, it's been a pleasure. Look forward to getting you on again. VT Scoop, I'm a subscriber. I Go love subscribe. The that you put out. You do an awesome job. Um, hopefully we can link up uh, for the Miami game. I'll be headed down there with a couple of my buddies from Paramus Catholic. Hope all is well. Good to talk to you. And um, let's talk soon. Anytime. Let me know. Evan, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Evan Watkins from Virginia Tech Scoop. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it, Evan. As usual, guys, uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Hung Up Podcast. Go like, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. We appreciate your support week in and week out. We appreciate you reaching out to us on social media. No doubt. Keep it up. Have a good one.